welcome on into Tomes. Uh, I am your host, Jason. And this is Cody, your co-host. And we are joined today by our good and longtime friend, Alec. Hi! And we are so happy to welcome on into the show. We, we have gone back, oh, at this point, we can say years. <laughs> Many years. <laughs> <laughs> it had been a few. We all met when we were all single, and I was the last one to get hitched. (laughs) (laughs) I was the first. Proud of it. Alex was the second, and I just got married a couple few months ago. So, (laughs) by the way, I'm also the youngest. That's what's funny. Yeah, that's the funny part. (laughs) Although, I'm trying to remember. Alec, are you the oldest? I think you're the oldest. I probably, I think, I think so, because I'm. I just turned 29. Okay, yeah, you're uh, yeah, you're a little bit over a year then, because I turn twenty eight next month. So, so yeah, the oldest got second, and then right smack dab in the middle is me, and I got married last. But anyway, this isn't about my tragic story on how I finally got married. <laughs> uh, this is still... a tragedy. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> it's an institution, but so is Alcatraz. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so some quick news, uh, just kind of the usual announcements that we do have a, a Discord up and running. So if you guys want to go ahead and join it, we'll leave a link of it to in the description box below, which we also have other tiers. And to access those tiers, you need to be part of our Patreon as well. So if you guys want to kind of give us some love and support, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead, hit that like and subscribe button because the more people we get... Uh, the more people we can bring this awesome, hilarious content to, or it'll just make us sad and depressed, like my day-to-day <laughs> life usually is. Anyway. <laughs> Save us from therapy. <laughs> Save us from therapy. This is our only coping mechanism. Without it, we will spiral. And, and I'm not trying to make light on anybody's depression real quick. I want to, <laughs> I want to clarify that right here, right now. <laughs> just our own. All right, so other than that, uh, so any announcements uh, from you guys before I dive into my NaNoWriMo stuff? Not personally from me. No, I'm... The semester's um, over halfway done for me, and so then I'll have a little bit more time to do all this fun stuff for about two weeks until the next (laughs) semester. Yeah, it's called Christmas, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's Christmas break. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now, as most of you know, I'm doing NaNoWriMo. Uh, For those of you who don't know what that is, basically, I say it's writer's version of Inktober in October. But this one, it's in the month of November. You have the entire month to write 50K. Uh, So now that... Tech today, as the recording, it is the 4th of November, so we're four days in. I am currently sitting at 6,544 words. So, on average, that's about, that is 1,636 words per day. I'm trying to bump it up a little bit more, because you roughly need around 1,700 words per day. So, overall, everything's going good. I got chapters one through two done. I'm working on chapter three of my fantasy novel, and yeah, that's kind of the progress so far. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you got it's coming this. along. Oh yeah, no, it's coming along. And actually, again, the whole writer—the one thing that's helped me the most is the one. Again, I say the mantra writers all use: show, don't tell. Yep. 
that, that's been my mantra right now. I'm just like, okay. I like, I go through one chapter and do the telling. It's like, crap, I need to do the showing. Okay, let me go back through. And then all of a sudden, boom, another like five, six pages pop up. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, that's kind of it for NaNoWriMo for me. Um, so something that I actually do have is some uh, random writings that I've done for one of my books. And so I was going between a few different things that I, I was going to share, and I decided on this one. Don't make fun of me too much for it, because it is actually a poem it, that's designed to be put into the book. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's lore building, but it's not supposed to be obvious. It's just at the time, like, I am. So those times, like, in the taverns where there's background stuff going on and there's a bard sharing some of the random tales and, like, mythology and such. Uh, so, okay. Uh, if it's all right, if I share that real quick, then you guys feel free to critique it. Go for it, man. Okay. So it's, uh, for those who run, Massive Night. With red eyes light, the torn will fail to see. They hunt and kill under the hill, they'll never let you be. You, my friends, with eyes of gems, are here you cannot, st- or for here you cannot stay. Forget the past, it could not last, run, or they'll make you play. Games of mist through dark forests, the shadows cannot find. A long way out, or so they shout, but nine they cannot bind. It sounds like the best introduction to like a side quest about a particular kind of enemy. You have some <laughs> like yeah. a D like a Matt like a big D and D side quest thing where like there there's this big enemy terrorizing this area, and the only clues that you have is this is this poem that gives you a bit of information. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, Thanks. the poem sounds great. I just have a couple of like fun ideas for a good yeah. twist on it. Like, okay, so is this just like a poem that a bard is singing? Or do you want this to be like a children's nursery rhyme? It could be. I am. So my thoughts for it is that this was actually commissioned by one of the nine that they cannot bind. I am. As a thing to kind of warn the others. Hmm. And so as he's commissioned it so it can be spread throughout the, like different places so that way it could be um, they could be warned in a not so obvious manner. Okay, interesting. Alright. Cool. It definitely could be done as a children's song though. That could be a good even better way to like that children's rhyme to um, spread it so it's one that it's even less looked at. Mm-hmm. Because in that way, it will make the poem seem like, one, it will be childish, so that way it could be discredited, so to speak. Which, yeah. again, <laughs> very much like the Chandrian get discredited as a yep. tall tale from King Killer Chronicles. Yup. I like that. I'm adding that into the notes with it. <laughs> again, it's just, it's a fun idea, because... Uh, Always, for me, the thing I always like to do is, like, tr- I try to find a way to raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was just like, it would be so much creepier if you could, if you heard a child singing that. Or going, like, again, with Alex's idea, it's just like, it's an adventure group going down, and all of a sudden, in the dark alley, you hear a children singing, a child singing that. 
creepy as <laughs> No kidding. Oh, yeah. It would be very creepy. Very. And it could just be a good way of foreshadowing. Could be Again, I think that there's a lot of good things you can use with that, especially when you're world building. Yeah. And that's kind of the plan for it, is just simply to be another layer of world building. Yeah, I like it. Like again, I love the poem. The poem sounds really good. Sweet. Yeah. So okay. there's a little glint at actually the main enemy of my story. Sweet. Very nice. Feel free to try and pick it apart and figure <laughs> out what they are. Uh, I'll probably have to go back and re-listen through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was meant for just anyone, anyone listening, and anyone that. Yeah. To do that. Oh yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I forget. We have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> it might be an audience of two. But... <laughs> well, three now. <laughs> yeah. All right. yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Okay. So, actually, I do have one little bit of fantasy news that I discovered. Uh, they're actually adding a new spell in D&D. Uh, it's a druid spell called Stun Seed. Okay. And what's actually really cool is I began looking at some of the stuff with it is what it can actually do is, okay, casting time, it's one action. And what it does is it will stun a player for one round if they read the spell backwards. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Have you got it yet? Yeah. (laughs) 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 which is what i wanted to tie this next segment into is just a fantasy joke we have found throughout the week (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well played well played i stumbled across that actually last night right before i hopped in the shower on tiktok as this girl was playing uh like dark souls or something and she was reading it as like yeah, a target user is stunned for one second if they read the spell backwards. You see her pause for a second and goes, oh, come on. <laughs> I, pre- I was like, what? I don't get it. I was like, ah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed. <laughs> but, anybody else got a joke they'd like to share? <laughs> I mean, other than myself, no. I, that's the only joke <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Self-depreciating humor. Let's go. <laughs> uh, other news. Uh, let's see here. Well, other well, just news in the podcast realm. Markiplier is going to start an OnlyFans page. <laughs> Right. That's entire again. All the proceeds got a charity, but still, it's funny. It really is. Uh, And uh, again, Brandon Sanderson's uh, "Why I Believe" uh, broadcast is going to be this Sunday. We accidentally reported it as last Sunday, but it is this Sunday. Yeah, that's my bad. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. But yeah, so we'll hopefully be able to watch that in this next uh, next episode of the podcast. We'll probably be reviewing that and just talking about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So by the time this episode airs, uh, it would have been yesterday that the pot, that the actual thing happened. 
So this would be our our review would be probably a week or two after. So yeah. But anyways, anything else you guys want to talk about? Anything you guys want to share before we dive into the topic of today? I don't have any particular news on my end, at least. Yeah, and I don't really either right now. I'm just excited to get into this topic. All right. So the topic for today is just talking about magic systems and world building in general. Now, last week, me and Cody did a fun little challenge. I I believe it's posted. On yeah, oh yeah, it's it, it did post. It did post yep. where we called it story improv, where me and Cody gave each other kind of a prompt and some ideas for magic systems. And you might have heard us hurt hurt might have eh, might have heard me use some terms like uh, hard magic systems versus soft magic systems, and that's kind of what we're going to dive more into today. Just kind of the terminology that we kind of use in that world building community, whether that be for novels or or building a world for Dungeons and Dragons and and just kind of what makes a good magic system very more story enticing or world building more enticing. Yeah. Um, so to start with some, just to give an overview, what is your guys' favorite magic system that you've seen? Book, movie, anything? Oh, man. Oh, that is such a hard one because there's a there's a couple of there's a couple of big ones, but they're so vastly different that like trying to compare them in any way. I do have to say, probably for me, it would have to be, uh, yeah, yeah, I I I I have to say the um, alchemy of Full Metal Alchemist personally. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. It's like it's one of the best examples of a well done hard magic system. I love the alchemy of that of that series. Yeah. Huh. For me, I would go again since I'm I'm a huge Brandon Sanderson fan. Uh, mixture between Alamancy and just yeah, Alamancy, Farakemi, and even all the stuff that's inside of the Mistborn series or Stormlight. Like, I can't decide between the two. Okay. For me, I am, I'm torn between two as well. I am, one of them is probably no surprise to you, Jason, is the Vow. I am the King Killer Chronicles, King Killer Chronicles with I am Symphony and the Naming. I am, and something you haven't heard about yet, but you will, is also called Shaping. I am, which is basically naming on an insane level. Okay. And so I just, I love his concept of all that. But another one, and it's a little bit a softer of a magic system, possibly. Um, but it's the one from the King's Dark Tiding series. So mm. it's much more typical mages and such, but they use, I am, um, they have what they call Wells of Amara. And depending on your well is how much power you have to access. And then the different ratios of the different powers inside each person um, contribute to what that person's capable of. And so then it just makes it so that way there's different types of mages based on inherent ability and such. So okay, just... I think I need a I need to preface this about that. I had no idea about that magic system because <laughs> that's very much like the magic system I'm using in my book. <laughs> <laughs> very similar, very similar. Slightly yeah. different, but very similar. 
Yeah, and we can go more in depth with this and talk about why uh, these are our favorites, but let's kind of talk about the difference between a hard and soft magic system. So, Jason, if you want to start off Yes. Okay, so going to, and again, the uh, reason why I like using that terminology actually comes from Brandon Sanderson, one of his lectures since he is a professor at BYU. He has a, an entire writing course that he teaches. And during this course, he talks about magic systems, how he actually went to a panel with a full panel of authors. And they're like, okay, when crafting a magic system, what is the first thing you need to come up with? And for him, he's like, oh, instantly, rules. And everybody else on the panel is like, what? No, like magic is supposed to absolve the rules. And he's just like, no, you got to have rules like or else it'll break the world. And, and therefore it kind of created this debate. So he's like, so it's maybe go back and rethink that. Honestly, when it comes to magic world building, there's two ends of the spectrum. There's hard and soft. Whereas the hard magic systems are the ones that have more rules, have more stuff around it to make it happen. Like for in my example with Allomancy, that is very limited. It is very much a science magic, so to speak, because there's so many laws and rules that apply to it. Whereas a soft magic system is something where magic is more a sense of wonder, more fantastical, like Harry Potter or even uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is such a big one. Like the the magic the magic that's used by the wizards, especially, is like the classic example of a soft magic system. Mm-hmm. It really is because you don't. There's no rules for it at all. It's what are they gonna do next? They just do it, and you're just like okay, cool. And say, and and actually, there is a little bit more rules, to it, but it's very, I, and that's why I put it said Harry Potter too, because Harry Potter's is very kind of in more respect loosey goosey, where the only rule is you got to know the magic word and say yes. the magic word correct correctly. So that's where you can do anything if you know the magic word. So or that's why. Or if you create it. So, and again, same kind of idea with uh, Lord of the Rings, because it's it's all about language, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, since you're more the Tolkien scholar here. Well, well, you see, that's the thing. It's like, there is, when it comes to Tolkien, there is absolutely nothing to it. There, There's no explanation. There's no hard and fast anything. Sometimes it's language. Sometimes it's, as Tolkien himself explained in one of his letters... Um, the art of the elves is their magic. They don't actually cast spells. It's their ability for artistry is their kind of magic. Um, the, to be able to craft a song and have that and have that song's power revive you, that's a form of magic. There is really no determining rule as to what constitutes as magic versus non-magic and that's kind of what is the idea of a soft magic system is that it's there really is no rule it's just oh it's it's just that idea like there probably is a pattern there probably is some kind of system or pattern or study that the wizards have to do but no one else is going to know that because that's not, they never take the time to explain it. And that's not the point is not to understand it. It's just to use the system to create a sense of wonder, to break the reality, to, to be the thing that kind of like reminds you, Oh yeah, we're in a fantasy place and this is, and this does not operate by the things that we typically understand on a daily basis. Okay. I like it. (laughs) 
That <laughs> reminds me a lot of how I am Calcade does hers with the uh, King's Dark Tidings series, the soft system that I was talking about, where okay. the only rules in it is that basically you're born to it, and you, what basically what your ratio is, is how they describe it, determines what you're capable of. Um, so then, other than that, anytime magic is used, you have no idea what's going to happen. You know this person can do things with water, but what can they do with water? whatever they want mm-hmm. and it's just much more of that what you're talking about it has that sense of wonder like what is going to happen with this what are they going to do next how can they do this with magic and what all can it do and just there's no limit yeah and actually and again there are a lot of books that actually use both a hard and soft magic system in it yes i am the king killer chronicles is a great example of that I mm-hmm. uh, they have sympathy, which is the very much the hard system. There is very physical rules to it all. It's very scientific, like elemancy that you're talking about. I mm-hmm. uh, but the naming doesn't really have any rules other than you know its name. Yeah, and actually, one I thought of that technically has both in it uh, is Discworld. <laughs> Discworld. Discworld by Terry Pratchett. It's a basic summary of it. The entire world is on the back of a turtle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is again, the entire, entire, there is no real order to the series. It's just all comedy. It is. It, it's just hilarious. I don't, I don't know much about it, but Discworld, like even just the basics that I've heard, it is such a weird, fascinating fan- fantasy realm. It is so fun. It is as if Monty Python went, we're going high fantasy further than Holy Grail. <laughs> like It is that old school British humor where it is just witty. It is just, it's funny. I was dying of laughter. Like the one book I was into, it, I believe, yeah, the book I was called, was listening to was called Sorcery because this is where the magic system is, is because there's wizard, wizards and sorcerers. Sorcerers are the soft magic system, whereas wizards are the hard magic system. Okay. So, and they're very much like, and and again, they have like obscene rules. Like the seventh son, like you have to be the seventh son of a seventh son. (laughs) (laughs) In order to be, be, and that son will be a sorcerer. And they actually started like basically they, I think they did like a China rule where it's like, you can go only up to six, <laughs> six kids, like six sons, <laughs> <laughs> but a grand old wizard that was kicked out of the college due to some type of infamy went, aha, I made a seventh son. And I, inst- and so actually basically the gods actually, no, it was death. It was death himself. I was like, all right, well, I, I'm here to claim your soul. He's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. How about I'm going to do this instead? And instead, the dad embodies himself into the staff. Okay. To basically say, "Screw you, death! <laughs> you you can't get me. I'm a stake now." <laughs> <laughs> this, and that's just the intro. That is quite literally the prologue. <laughs> I guess whatever works. Like like it's just so only random. Only had understood that. Exactly. It's just one of those like way out there theories. And actually what would happen is the staff would talk to his son and guide him into magic. Mm-hmm. And 
and actually the sun is going to actually topple the entire arcane and destroy the world kind of idea. But again, I need to finish the book. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> like, again, it's just, it's so ridiculous, but that's what makes yeah. it so funny and fun to read is it's just, a, it's so much more in like the soft side of everything that it's funny. Nice. Yeah. But okay, so now let's break down to what these magic systems we like are and what exactly it is they do. So, Cody, would you want to go first, explaining sympathy and naming? Sure. So, let's start with sympathy because it's the, as Kavoth puts it, very underwhelming. I am <laughs> basically, Kavoth is the main character of the King Killer Chronicles, for those who don't mm-hmm. know. I am. I am Essentially, all sympathy is, is the relationship between objects. The stronger the relationship, the more you can do with them. I am. It's first described as, if you have two coins, then at some point in time, they could have been connected because they're made of the same material. Because that's a stronger bind, if you link the two together, you lift one, the other one gets lifted. And that's and so, but you have to lift the weight of both, plus anything else. That's how weak the binding is. Increases the weight of moving the two. Um, further apart they are, the more it weighs as well. Things like that. Um, it works for pretty much anything that you can relate, as long as you can picture how to relate it. I am, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the easy description of sympathy. Some uses of it, just to have some better understanding i am one of my favorite uses of sympathy is actually by an antagonist in the show or in the series i am i don't know if you've met him yet or not jason but he is what like ninth in line to the king's to the crown i am oh the one library keeper yes uh yeah i met him (laughs) okay i am why can't I remember his name now? Give me a second. I'm looking. Uh, it, it starts with an A. Uh, Ambrose. Yeah. Ambrose. Ambrose Jackass. <laughs> his last name is literally Jackass, not the other. I know. I know. But okay. Because you sent me the one song. Uh, the song. And I was like, okay. oh, I can see where I can see without the origin of it. I can see where it comes from. Because again, I've got to the point where Ambrose got both kicked from the. Uh, oh, what is it? Kicked out of the library. Out of tomes. Yeah, kicked out of the library. <laughs> Out of the stacks. Out of stacks. Well, out of the entire thing. He's banned from the oh, yeah. library at all. But yeah. yes. He, Kavoth did something stupid, and as a result, he got whipped. But then he was raised, so he was able to go into the full access of the library. And after that, he uh, was in his right mind because he was on painkillers and didn't realize <laughs> that he was given an open flame in a library full of ancient books. Oh, no. So he exactly. was permanently banned from the library. So, oh, no. So I'll yeah. give two examples. The first is one that Ambrose does, and the second is what Kavoth did to get the lashings. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that story. It is a great one. Um, so the first one, Ambrose sees Kavoth playing at a place called the Aeolian. It's a... Basically, it's a tavern specifically for musicians. All the best of the best go here. And in order to be considered among the best of the best, you'll have to play and earn what they call the talent pipes. 
And so Kvothe is in the middle of performing and, and trying to get his talent pipes. And Ambrose is in the crowd and is jealous because he failed to get his a while, like it references that a while back. And so while Kvothe is playing his lute, Ambrose uses his own energy with a piece of straw and connects it to the string on the one of the strings on the lute. And then he cuts it. And by cutting oh. it, he severs the one of the strings on his lute. Um, I won't spoil anything else about that, but it was that link. But because he didn't have any other source of energy than himself, um, he ended up draining a lot of his own energy and has to get helped out of the building. Which is how they know it's him that did it. Because there's no there's no physical components, like there's no verbal components. It's just a mental link. Um so it's kind of cool that way. There's physical components because he had to cut something else, but there's no verbal components. Um, yeah, because again, he cut the thing of straw because, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is where I'm very much the apprentice in sympathy here. Uh, yeah. But because since they're both made of straw, it has that link to it. But you have to, because again, there are three principles, if I'm correct. Yes, and that'll be the next story, but keep going. I'll say, uh, and I know, but with the straw, so he had to put in extra energy. Yes, because a, a straw to a cord, cord. they're very different, mm-hmm. but they're similar enough that there was a link, but it's a very weak link. And so he had to use a lot of energy in order to link the two together. Gotcha. Cutting okay. one to cause the other one to break. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Yes. That's interesting. So, the second story is him teaching the basic laws of sympathy in Master Hem's class. So Master Hem is one of the professors, and he has a grudge against Kavoth. Um, and this is where it really, really starts. Kavoth had told him he already knew the basic laws. And so he's like, okay, well, talk to me before class next time. He gets there, and Master Hem's nowhere to be seen. And he walks in like two minutes late, and then he goes, Kavoth's teaching today. And he's like, what? Okay. He's a showman. He doesn't care. Kavoth doesn't care. He just gets up and does it. And so what he does is he uses wax to create a figure of a person. And so he showed that. He's like, hey, look. This is, I mean, it's wax. It's not as close as, uh, like, using actual human flesh or anything like that. But it kind of looks like Master Ham. And he's like, what can we do to make it a stronger link? And they're like, well, if we add hair or blood or something like that from the person, that would make the link stronger. And so Hem actually gives him a piece of the hair. And so he sticks it onto the, they call it a marmot. And then he then links that. He gets a blazer and heats up the blazer. So it's getting pretty hot. And he links the fire to the marmot and then to Master Hem. And originally, he doesn't link it to him, though. He just links it to, like, he goes and he holds all the fire and shows that nothing actually happens. But then he binds it, binds it to the fire and to Master Ham. So there's a source of energy, so it's not coming from Kavoth. And then he linked it to Master Ham, to the marmot. And as he put it over the fire, it started burning Master Ham's foot. Mm-hmm. And so that's where. Things go. So basically, it uses science where you need an energy source. You can pull on yourself, but using an outside energy source, such as a fire, is a lot better because it doesn't drain you. 
-hmm. and then you can transfer it to the others and do all that. So, did I get that all right, Austin? It's been a little bit since I last read it. Uh, mostly, uh, because I believe how it works with Master Him is, yeah, again, you said everything was correct. And actually, Kavoth, uh, I believe earlier on, did make the connection to Master Him, but it wasn't as strong as a connection as it could be. He even says, like, so we could actually, we are looking at, like, I believe a 13% connection. Yeah. Because, yes, it does look like Him, even if we got a full life sculpture of him like artist fully crafted got more we're able to extract some of his blood into it it's still not 100 there yes it's like but if we do a because i believe what he did was a double binding yeah so that's the binding to the furnace and to master mm -hmm. him that's the double yes. binding he has to split his mind into two parts to do that correct and that's where it actually burnt his foot. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, but, that, yeah, that's where Master Hem got mad because malfeasance or purposely harming somebody else is grounds to expel somebody, and so that's that's why he ends up getting whipped. Basically, he proves that Master Hem set it up, and that's where the materials he had. And so he plays a little dumb with it. And that's why he doesn't get kicked out. But and he still actually, gets in every lashes. I was just saying, every respect, he doesn't exactly play dumb. It was very much on the effect that Master Hem did not convey the full report. It's true, but there are certain times where he plays dumb about something. He's like, "Oh, I didn't know it would do that much to him." Yeah, he he totally knew. Uh, actually, I believe I uh, wasn't sure if he did fully knew. No, it would have burned him like that. Uh, and there he makes a comment of like he plays his most innocent voice. He goes, "I didn't know it would do that." Yeah, he does his best. Is just like I didn't. I believe what he said is like I was just trying to get in the tavern. He was saying I was just trying to give a hot foot. Yeah, like that was his intent was just to give him a hot foot. He just I and mean, that's where in the actual case he does say. I didn't know it would do that. He's like, it was true. I didn't know it would actually give him warts on his leg. I was, he was trying to give him just a hot foot. Yes, but okay. So here's, this is the reason why I say that he knew is because I know Kavoth. I know him very well after reading the two books, like four times. <laughs> he did it intentionally. He didn't care if it burned him or not. He knew how strong his link was and he was proving a point. He then plays dumb. He, that's okay. what he does it all the time. <laughs> that's the reason well, why I, I have a relationship with him. <laughs> he's like, you're an ass, but I like yes, <laughs> Exactly. Okay. But yeah. So that's sympathy. I'm, I'm going to do naming real quick too, if that's okay. Yeah. Just to, yeah. So, Cause I know naming is a softer one. Yeah. So naming is the true magic in this world. I'm, and naming, essentially, is that once you come to understand something so well, you understand its true name, you have control over this object. They always tell stories of uh, this historical figure named Taberlin the Great, who knew the names of all things. And he said to the rock, break, and it broke. And he called the name, and then he like, jumps off a tower that he had broken, and then he calls the name of the wind, and it sets him down gently. Um. It's all these things that whatever you understand, you can command. Um, and that even goes to people or creatures. 
rather. At one point, uh, Kavoth meets Valurian, who's one of the Fae. And he learns her true name and has an understanding of her and is able to uh, command her and prevent her from killing him. Hmm. And so there's things like that where it's just really cool, but it's all based just on understanding what something is. And that's the only limit to it, is once you understand it, you have complete control over it. It's really cool. All right. I guess this would be a spoiler for you to show one of the other times that naming is used. But it's again used, again, it's with Ambrose. It's not Ambrose who does it, it's Kavoth. But Ambrose breaks Kavoth's loot at one point. And he gets so angry that he learns the name, like he has an understanding of the wind. And in that moment, he speaks the name of the wind and throws Ambrose across a courtyard. Dude, oh dang. That's the second time he gets lashes. Uh, no, no, that would warrant it. That would warrant it. Nonetheless, it would. He also gets expelled and then instated as the next higher rank. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is where Kavoth is like, don't get it wrong. Kavoth has had it rough, okay? He's had it rough. Which is why I think that's why he does some of the stuff he does. But yes. anyway, we won't go into any more death <laughs> on that. We'll do a review of the uh, King Kilo Chronicles sometime. We will once I finish Name of the Wind. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I'm not trying to give you all these spoilers. I'm just. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. If anything, I was like, oh, I could actually see, and actually, I could see Kavoth because again, tell me if I'm wrong. Actually, actually, don't tell me if I'm wrong. This is my my prediction with the whole uh, Ambrose breaking the string of the loot is because yeah. I remember earlier that Kavoth, after certain events happened, he would practice on his dad's loot. And eventually, he broke like every single one of the strings, but he continued playing. Mm-hmm. So with Ambrose doing that, he's just like, "Oh, one less string," and he still is able to play. That that that's that's my prediction. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. Just, I'm not going yeah. to. <laughs> but anyway, Alec, do you want to talk about our love and love and love of Full Metal Alchemist's magic system, alchemy? Absolutely. <clears throat> <clears throat> prepare my vocal cords for this explanation. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who don't know, in Full Metal Alchemist, um, the the magic system is based off of is based off of real life alchemy, which um, in real life was basically nothing but a proto science was a, a form of trying to understand matter, where. You know, everyone always thinks that it was all about the turning lead to gold. That was a part of it, but alchemy itself was mostly just proto-science. It was the understanding of how certain materials react with each other, especially. Like, people back then knew that if you took this component and combined it with this component, it would create something new. Or it would react in some way, and that was alchemy, basically, was understanding those relationships between all these different elements and components that were around them. And eventually is what led us into chemistry uh, that we understand nowadays. Fullmetal Alchemist basically just takes the same thing, but it takes it further by adding in magic system, by adding in basically magic to where people can make these effects happen and can alter matter with a form of magical energy that comes from the earth. 
that comes from the um, the Earth's tectonic movements generates energy that can then be converted by these alchemists into these reactions. Now, the thing that I love about it so much, though, uh, personally, is that it is such... Not only is it just so visually cool because of all the alchemical symbology that they use as a part of the system in order to create the reactions that they do, um, but it's just it, it it's a it's a very logical it's a very logical system that just like especially for a science nerd like me just kind of creates this really fascinating realm of possibility. It's kind of difficult to describe, but it's just, it's such a fun, it's such a fun and cool way to take science and marry it with magic in this way to create this, to create this system that is very much rooted in actual scientific understanding, but still has a lot of the cool factor and the, um, the ability to change things that magic offers. Uh, in in most stories, and it, it's just it's one of the most visually interesting, in my opinion, just you know, for my personal taste, it's just one of the more visually interesting um, magic systems. And then the rules for it, you know, are just really cool too. So just overall, I, I overall, it's just been a good system. It's mm-hmm. just it's a fun, it's it's a fun one from both a theoretical point of view, just to kind of think about and. Uh, um, and to experience while you're watching, but then also just the visual aspect of it, the um, the symbology, how the reactions happen, and so it, it's just it's so fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely is a lot of fun, especially again. I and I love how actually most of the characters find a way to work with like one specific element of it, like Roy Mustang with fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mustang is by far the best character in that show. Just saying, <laughs> but I am a cool thing with what you're talking about Alec, is. I was watching a video about I am Full Metal Alchemist and how it uses alchemy. And every single symbol inside of Full Metal Alchemist is at least related to the his, quote unquote, historical alchemy that was practiced. Oh, yeah. Um, and like to the T, everything is very well integrated in research. Um, and it is really cool. One of the things I also love with Full Metal Alchemist is that it's they have alchemy and they have that powerfulness, but then the people from Jing come over and they have their own form and they're able to do even more. And then they're able to combine the two and it makes it so amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what they call the one from Jing. Alkahestry. Alkahestry. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just as a as a system, it's just it's both I, I think I think the big thing that I really enjoy about it is when you have a mag when you have a hard magic system, it has to follow um in order to qualify as a hard magic s- system, it has to follow rules. Because that's kind of the that's the whole point. Is when you create a hard magic system, you're creating a system with inherent limitations because you don't want be, because it's 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 crucial for the story that only certain things can happen like that you can't that um like there are certain restrictions that you have to overcome like the whole like the if the 
if alchemy wasn't didn't have limitations, especially especially in the area of like, you know, you're unable to truly bring someone back to life, then if that wasn't a limitation, then the whole story wouldn't exist because that is the thing that starts our characters off on their main on their main trip was they tried to bring their mother back, had some nasty consequences come from it, and thus have to and thus that basically is what prompts the rest of the story. Um, but even with all these limitations, it's so rooted. Like, like Cody was saying, all of the symbology is not only rooted in real life stuff, but all the sciences too. Like mm-hmm. even the, like there's one, there's one major rule in alchemy in, in the story called the law of equivalent exchange. It's the main scientific law upon which alchemy is based and basically it just and basically the law says that whatever you whatever you're trying to create it can't just come from nothing you have to borrow you have to borrow that energy and matter from something else if you want to create a spear you have to you have to take the the correct amount of matter from something else and understand the connection of how to change that other matter into the matter that composes the spear. You can't just create the spear out of nothing. So that inherent limitation is very much is very much rooted in science because in science they have what's called the law of conservation of mass, mm-hmm. which says that in any reaction you can't gain or lose matter, it just simply changes form. So like when you're burning wood, that's a chemical reaction. And to some people, to, to some people they think is like, oh, most of the wood just kind of disappears and burns away. And then you're left with the ash and that's it. But there, but there actually isn't any lost matter. It just simply has changed form. It's either become uh, smoke particulates that have gone up into the atmosphere or becomes or becomes broken down carbon and becomes the ash. And so it's actually energy that's uh, conserved. Matter can't by fire. Some of that matter is destroyed. It's energy that's conserved. Well, ener- well, yes and no, because because energy because matter itself because the only way to do that is if you could break down if you could break down matter all the way to energy which is something that's extremely difficult to do. So it just becomes microscopic particulate matter. It, it changes form in some way. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's the idea of the conservation. And then there is also the conservation of energy, which is what you're referring to, is that if you do get to a point to where something breaks down entirely, then um, then there's an equivalent amount of energy that's resulted from the from the thing. And that's what's cool about alchemy is it takes those two laws, the conservation of mass and of energy, and combines them into this semi-fictional law, but one that's completely rooted in reality, which just adds another level of believability. Because like fantasy, yes, we are supposed to, you know, it is supposed to be fantastic. It is supposed to be fiction. But what makes it, relatable and what makes it interesting 90% of the time is what can you relate to it how does it how do you feel connected to it and what makes it believable what's the internal logic mm-hmm. 
of this system. And alchemy does that far and above better than a lot. I won't say all because I don't know all and there are definitely some great ones out there. But it does it better than a lot of just creating a very, very believable thing. Like you literally could have alchemy be a real thing if just we as people could manipulate energy through our bodies. That's just, you know, uh, if we could do that, if that one thing was something that we could do, just manipulate energy, just take energy from one thing to the next and do that with our bodies instead of having to rely on machinery, then we could absolutely be doing the same kind of alchemy. And it's just that subtle, it's just that little switch that just makes it both amazing and fun and fantastic, but at the same time, very believable and logical. And that's what really lends it so much of the strength, I feel. Yeah, no. And again, not only that, but the story of Full Metal Alchemist is just phenomenal as well. It really mm-hmm. is. Sorry, so, I was just trying to argue with you. Sorry. <laughs> not at it's, all. It's a good solid question. But, and actually, that's part of the reason why I actually I like Allomancy in Mistborn. Is because there's a lot, because actually it's all vector science on that one. So I'm just trying to remember here, Alec, have you read Mistborn or? Have. Okay. So yeah, you'll know what I'm talking about. Just because everything goes in it, whatever goes in has an equal and opposite reaction. But the main thing they do it with is with metals. So uh, I'll just go through as fast as I can with a quick, with the quick reference chart right next next to me. But with Allomancy, like iron, uh, it pulls on metals nearby, steel pushes on nearby metals. Uh, tin uh, enhances senses. Pewter enhances physical ability. Brass actually will soothe emotions. Zinc will actually riot emotions. Copper will hide alamancy, and then bronze will reveal alamancy. That's just a quick rundown of what each of these metals do. Now, the way it works in the world is that each everybody, not everybody, uh, most people who are alamancers, they can burn at least one of these metals. And the way they do that, of course, is by <laughs> ingesting said metal. <laughs> but it's got to be refined. It's it's not like oh, lump of iron, hard. <laughs> it's got it's got to go through a refining process. So once it's gone through the refining process and they're able to eat it or ingest it, they're able to do these effects. Now, where it comes more into the vector science, I like using steel as an example. Using steel alimenters, aka coin shots. Because what they're able to do after they have that metal, they can take a steel coin, a metal coin, flip it, and shoot it like a gun. Now, this is provided they're not going up against another coin shot. Because what the math is behind it is whatever weight they carry gets pushed into that coin. So it's their weight versus the coin's weight. So now what if that coin hits the ground? Yup. They're able to go up into the air and they have their own version of kind of flying. I say it's more Spider-Man, but in Mm. reverse (laughs) (laughs) because they're able to push off of it and they are just able and actually eventually they can just drop coins along the way. And part of the reason I bring this up is I'm excited because the next book of the second era comes out this month. Mm-hmm. Where the main ca- character, Waxillium Ladrian, he uses gun casings. <laughs> he uses bullet casings for his coin pushing. Now, Allomancy is one of the three magic systems in this world. 
There's Alamancy, Fair Kimmy, and oh, what's the other one? I cannot remember it. I was about to say, I can't remember myself. Like I, I know I know um I know Hemalurgy. And... It's what? Hemalurgy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right. Uh, we'll uh, cover that one too. So now Ferukemi is kind of the reverse on what Alamancy can does, like on how it is taken. So Alamancy is very much they take a external thing of steel and by ingesting it, they're able to do these things. Ferukemi is you're able to store these from yourself into that specific metal. So let me actually bring up the Ferukemi chart so that way I can actually get this done correctly. But like, for instance, uh, I believe if they have, like, a pewter band that they have. Actually, bury it. I'll use bronze. Actually, no, copper. I'll use copper. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm jumping all over between the metals. <laughs> they have, like, for copper, they have what's called a copper mind. You're able to actually store memories and thoughts into your into these copper mines. So, you're, so, in fact, actually, one of the characters has the entire history of his people in his copper mind and he's able to tap into it but actually by tapping into it it was then destroyed so to speak so then he has to reinvest it into his copper mind so there is very much a again it's created or it's not created or destroyed it is more transferred into these ideas so a fair Kimmy, you're transforming your abilities into the metals like for gold Actually, I, yeah, I believe for gold mines, like for gold ferrochemy, you're able to actually store up health. You can make yourself unhealthy for a time while storing these into these gold gold mines, and then you're able to recall the health at a later date. So if you go sick for a month, you could actually heal up a bullet wound. So it's very much more on your taking at that point external and putting sorry internal to external. Now. The most interesting form, according to Sanderson, is hemalurgy, which is not inherently evil, but is mostly used for evil. <laughs> okay. A hemalurgic spike is, again, it's still like, an egg, you, yeah, and I'll correct me if I'm wrong on this. But basically the way a hemalurgic spike is made is they kill an alamancer and they tra- and the spike is able to transfer their alimatic ability into that spike. Oh. So what's uh, again in the first era they actually have I, I I'm calling them inquisitors because I believe that's their technical name who are just covered in these spikes. They're basically an alimancer covered in spikes. But there are even some little things you can do. Like you could actually say have an earring that is a small hemallergic spike okay. that could for, that could serve as a walkie-talkie of sorts. So it is just very much more on your you're quite literally killing someone to take their abilities, but if done in a good way, like I believe, like the earring example I did was someone who could. I'm trying to remember how exactly that one worked. <laughs> <laughs> but they were will they were quite literally on their deathbed and then held that spike and then as they died gave it. And actually, that's even how some creatures in this world are made is by putting in more hemallergic spikes. It is very interesting on how exactly they do it. Now, in the second era, they have what's called twinborn, someone who can do elemancy and ferrochemy at the same time. This is where we get Waxilium, who is a super powerful coin shop. 
because not only can he shoot coins, but he has, in his metal mines, he's able to store weight. So he gets to the point where he's actually able to fit, like he takes back all of his weight and then pushes on every single nail in a building and collapses the building. <laughs> because he walks, like he walked around for years at, I want to say like half, half his weight when he really needed to store him up. The rest of the time he was, he had three quarters of his weight. So it, I just really like it because it's an interesting idea on how they could do it, especially when you begin getting into Twinborn. Now, a Mistborn, I'm going to say, is the avatar of Alamancy. They can do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but an Alamancer generally is able to do just one. Twinborn can do Alamancy and Ferrochemy. Okay. A true Ferrochemist, again, they're able to tap into all the mines, and so they can do iron, steel, tin, pewter, copper, nickel. Like, again, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. So I really like it just because, again, <laughs> because there's so much, there's so many rules, and that's actually what it takes dictates most of the story, besides a rebellion. Because it then slowly turns into, okay, how do we get these resources? Or there's even some metals I did not mention, which is why I want to leave that for the story. Like like aluminum and, oh, what is one of the other one? ATM. Mm-hmm. Like, th- okay. those are kind of fun. But... And again, this is where, and actually, again, I'm quoting Sanderson again on this. We can have an amazing world with an amazing magic system, but the story itself is not interesting until we have characters to tell it. Yep. Who's your guys' so along those lines, do you guys have a favorite character that uses the magic? The way they use it is unique or Waxillium. Waxillium I love Waxillium Ladrians. Come on, the <laughs> yeah. I like his way of it because, again, as I described, he's able to push on a building and is able to collapse it just because he walked around like for two, three years without most of his weight. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that idea, just because it's and for him, he could even as a coin shot, he doesn't need to push as hard because he could go at like a quarter of weight and quite literally fly and float. Like, it's just, I think it's a lot of fun ideas with that. <laughs> it is. So, I'll... Alec. Uh, there's so many. Mm. The problem is that with Full Metal Alchemist, most people basically do things the same way. They basically, like, have, like, a single transmutation circle that they then just, like, imprint on a glove or on something physical on them so that they have constant access to this uh to this transmutation circle to execute what they're trying to do so like uh, there really isn't a specific example that i think is incredibly unique i will say though so like cody was mentioning earlier you've got alchemy in, in full metal alchemist you have alchemy but then you have alkahestry which really the biggest difference between the two is mostly their focus on like what they do. Otherwise they really are generally the same power. They just have different kinds of things that they focus on, but their philosophies are definitely different. But if you take those two philosophies and put them together, you create this new way of approaching the same kind of transmutation stuff, but without a lot of the limitations that um, most other alchemists have to deal with. You still have to worry about, you know, 
you still have to worry about the law of equivalent exchange, but you don't have to worry so much about um, energy needs and a few other things. And someone who figured out that you can do this, take these two and put them together, figured out that, oh, he can take the elements of both the alchemy and the alchemy and do it into tattoos. And so he creates tattoos on his arms to, um, to allow for the pro to basically allow for both the creative and the destructive sides of alchemy and just literally had tattoos on his arms that allowed him to channel these fundamental principles of creation and destruction, which are, you know, the like central points of the alchemy process of actually how to execute its execution. And I think, I think visually that's really cool. It's not that much different from what everyone else does, but it's a ve very visually cool thing with um, how it looks and like the combination aspects of the, of these two cis of these two philosophies of power coming together. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, again, I keep on forgetting about Scar. <laughs> He's a very unique character. Mm -hmm. One of in Full Metal, I one of my favorites because, as you said, they all kind of do the same thing, but I love how they all do it differently. Mm -hmm. I'm. And the, there's the trope with Mustang that just get him wet and he can't do anything. <laughs> and it's hilarious. But he also carries around a briefcase full of gloves that he can replace. Um, but then even without them, so if you... Uh, when he faces off against Greed... Uh, or Envy, sorry. Envy. Oh, yeah. He literally carves the sigil into his hand and uses a lighter. That's uh, Lux, actually. That was Lust, yeah. That's when he was fighting Lust oh, and Lust. annihilated well, he, her. <laughs> yeah, he also does it to um, Envy. Pretty similar, but it stops. I think it's right after that. Uh, but yeah, he Lust, thank you. But yeah, so he... But him doing that, though, it was such a unique method at the same time where it's thinking outside the box. And that's one of the things I just loved about his character was that he he was that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess for me, for my actual favorite magic user from the different systems, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Elodin from I am hmm. the King Killer Chronicles. I, have you met Elodin yet, Jason? Maybe the name is familiar. So he's one of the masters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But he's crazy. Oh yeah, I met him. I met him. <laughs> so he is absolutely like completely insane. I mean, he's not actually, but he wants everyone to think he is, and part of him is. I'm um, because it's a problem with sympathy mm -hmm. and with naming is it can break your mind, and at some point, Alodin's mind did snap, and. He was placed in what they call the crockery. Um, yep. And they both jumped off of it. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's the really, it's really the first induction of naming with one exception. And you see that it's some, a power that's so well controlled. And you just see a load and literally step up to the wall, be it touch it. 
know everything inside of it, and then cr- just literally just say break, and then wall breaks. It's everything from the storybooks, and he know that he does it just to do it. I am just his character. There's so many things with the load and later on that are just so amazing with his personality. He doesn't use it unnecessarily. I am. He has such a good grasp of what it is that he'll use it for things he needs. And sometimes he, uh, I guess not unnecessarily is the wrong word. He uses it when it benefits him, but he doesn't use it in the wrong setting. He okay. won't use it in a way that's destructive to other people. He is so in control and it's scary. His character to me is probably the most intimidating of the story. And that's not something that I think most people see. Don't see him that way. But to me, he is probably the most terrifying character in the story. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, he's my favorite. That's it. I'm enjoying Ab. I've enjoyed Ambeth. Abinthi. Abinthi was a great, great character. I am. But yeah. I am from a different one, though. So this is just to bring up one of the other magic users I really enjoy. I'm. It's from the King Killer, or not King Killer, but from the King's Dark Tidings. I'm. His name is Wesson. So Wesson, his and basically he's, I'm. His ratio is purely destructive, and it's the one of the few that everything really doesn't matter other than at the amount that he has, and he is so full of destructive power that he is the most powerful mage to exist at this time period, maybe ever. And he can just decimate things. But he hates destruction. He hates killing. And so he contains himself. And it's just really cool to see his struggle with everything, where in times he does use it, and he has to use it. I'm... But he comes up with all these clever ways to do what normal mages do using destructive power. So, like, a sound barrier. Instead of putting up a shield to uh, be able to stop sound from getting, like, from going out, basically, he creates a dissipation ward that when sound hits it, it dissipates and no one can hear it. <laughs> and so it's, it's things like that. And it's just a really cool use of like the negative side of things to do the positive. And because of that, it's one of my favorite magic users as well. Oh, okay. Actually fun magic system. Definitely recommend if you, if you want just like a fun little read Alcatraz versus the evil librarians. (laughs) I like, I think you've heard of it. (laughs) I don't know if I have. It's actually another book written by Sanderson. Uh, It's actually a, it's a young adult novel. Uh, the idea is that uh, basically, again, there's a big giant conspiracy on the planet Earth, uh, and the librarians are behind it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so Al- Alcatraz, <laughs> it's just it's a funny it's a funny story. He actually wrote this with Mistborn because Mistborn is very dark, so he needed something to pick himself up. So that was Alcatraz. But it is one of the funniest books you'll read. Like it is so funny, but it's got a good story too. But the the, main... ir- the irony of what you just said that Mistborn was too dark, so 
Alcatraz was the way to lighten it up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So, because the funny thing is, uh, with all of it, the main magic system he uses that I'm, I'm saying is more of a soft magic system is what's called Smedri Talents. Every Smedri, Alcatraz is a Smedri. He's, and his talent is breaking. He breaks things. Okay. So, actually, the book starts off as like, he went down to make himself a bolt. He made him try to make some ramen. The handle on, actually, the knob on the stove breaks off. And a big giant flame courses up, goes to remove the pot. The handle on the pot breaks. (laughs) And then the curtains catch fire. The smoke detector would go off if he didn't break it a month, a week or so before it. (laughs) So he quite literally just leaves the room, goes upstairs, and waits for the fire department. (laughs) (laughs) But reason why Cody, uh, the Dark Tiding one, made me think of it is not just because it's breaking, but he could, it, it doesn't, it's not limited to just breaking physical things. Like he could break sound. He could literally break sound. Uh, actually, one of the funny ones is his grandfather. His talent is he's always late. <laughs> In fact, he has been late to his death so many times. <laughs> he's still late to his death. <laughs> so it's just it's a fun it's a fun and funny concept, and I like the way it gets used into Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians. It is a short book. We're talking like audiobook six hours. Like okay. I did one book from the trip from trip to Vegas to Phoenix. Like I read one entire book just coming down one way. Yeah, but no, that that's just a it's it's a fun read. It, it's I'm gonna say it's one of the lesser known Sanderson books, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a fun it's a funny one. But anyway, I think that might be it uh, for right now in this conversation. We could seriously, we can make another like five episodes on just fun magic systems. <laughs> yep. No kidding. That would be so much fun. All right. So thank you, Ak, for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Always happy to have you. So right now we'll put a bookmark into this section and we'll continue. We'll pick up the book next time. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.